Hello, folks. Welcome to Notoriously Episcopalian, a podcast of sermons from me, Kelly Hudlow, an itinerant Episcopal priest in Alabama. Thanks for listening. This is a sermon for the 15th Sunday after Pentecost, September 18th, 2022, offered at St. Paul's Episcopal Church in Greensboro, Alabama. The principal text for the sermon is Luke chapter 16, verses 1 through 13, the parable of the dishonest manager. May I speak in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So when I was growing up, my parents taught me that there were three things that you never discussed at the dinner table. Religion, politics, and money. But unfortunately, there seem to be three things that Jesus loves to talk about when he is at dinner tables or with groups of people, and that is religion, politics, and money. Now, last week, we heard two parables, right? The lost sheep and the lost coin. We have skipped forward a little bit, but there would have been one of Jesus' most famous parables right before we hear this story, which is the story of the prodigal son. So another story about wealth and maybe politics and tells us something about religion. When Jesus was telling those stories about lost things and a lost son, he was talking specifically to the Pharisees and scribes that had shown up and seen who Jesus was eating with and welcoming and had lots of opinions about whether that was a good idea. They were complaining and looking at Jesus and saying, look at this man who welcomes sinners. And Jesus says, well, let me tell you some stories. But this week, the gospel tells us that he now turns to the disciples and offers what is usually considered one of Jesus' most difficult parables to make sense of, which is this story, this parable of the dishonest manager. When he tells this story, he is no longer talking directly to the Pharisees and the scribes, but he is talking directly to the disciples that would have been the closest to him. Now, what tends to give the most difficulty in understanding this parable is as listeners to it, we don't quite know who we're supposed to root for. In the Gospel of Luke, when Luke describes someone as a rich, whatever, a rich man, a rich landowner, a rich father, typically we're supposed to see that person as the bad guy. This is the language that is the Gospel of Luke. And so we are presented with a rich man who has a manager, and the rich man has received information that his manager is squandering his property. And so the rich man calls the manager there to ask some questions. Like, so far, we have a hard time faulting the rich man for what he has chosen to do. Now, we might say that he should have allowed the manager more time to explain before he sacked him, but really the rich man seems to be very justified in calling the manager to task and saying, because you have squandered my property, you no longer get to do this job for me. 
Now, where we want to as listeners of Luke's gospel, where we want to find the hero is in the manager, right? That perhaps he is standing there in front of the rich man that has been wrongly accused and denied the opportunity to make a defense. And so now he is facing an unjust firing and he has to figure out what he's going to do. But then, unusually, we get this internal conversation that the manager is having with himself, and it begins with, well, I'm too weak to do an honest day's work, that I'm too proud to beg for my money. And now the manager doesn't seem so much like a hero anymore, right? It's, it's, this is a guy that doesn't want to work, and he doesn't want to ask, ask for help, and so he hatches this plan. And this time, maybe he did squander his, the rich man's property, but this time he's not, being, uh, he's not squandering what he's about to do. This isn't frivolous. He makes a plan to forgive people's debts. And so he decides, I'll call in all the people that owe the rich man money, and I'm going to forgive their debt. But he doesn't forgive all of the debt, right? He asks each one to come in. He says, how much do you owe? And he figures out how much to shave off the top. And he goes so far as to forging the documents, right? So the rich man is not going to be able to sort this out very easy, easily. And so the manager becomes even less likely to be the hero of this story. Now, Jesus always likes to give us a surprising ending, and the surprise ultimately comes is that when the rich man finds out what his manager has done, he commends him for it. He says, that was pretty smart, what you did there, even though I had already fired you, and so without authority or justification, you went and forgave these debts. And that leaves us as the listener sitting here really trying to figure out what is going on. Why is the rich man commending the manager for acting shrewdly? Why does Jesus seem to say we need to do what this manager has done? Perhaps the genius of the manager was in forgiving only part of the debts that were owed. He did not impoverish the rich man, right? He didn't forgive all of the wheat that was owed, all of the oil that was was owed, nor did he go to those debtors and say, you have to pay me all of that right now so I can get out of town. Instead, he just took a bit off the top. He gave a bit of relief to those that owed the rich man money. Jesus tells us in sort of commending the manager that children of this age are more shrewd in dealing with this world than the children of light. But those that are concerned with earthly things seem to figure out smarter ways to do it than maybe us that are too heavenly minded. And so as we try to make out kind of the confusing path of this story, I think it helps us to remind ourselves that Jesus is telling this story to the disciples. And so there is something that he wants them to learn. Maybe he wants them to see the cleverness of the manager, that while his actions are certainly ethically questionable, the results are really interesting. The manager's use of wealth, though not his own, this decision to not just take everything he could and run, in turn manages to improve the whole community. 
The manager now has his security, not in his own wealth or his own ability to work, but he has earned friends in the neighborhood that will either give him a job that he can do or maybe take care of him when he's in need. The rich man maybe doesn't get mad at the manager because he realizes that in what he has done, the rich man either can say, this man had no authority to speak for me, throw him in jail, and the rich man now looks foolish, or he can stand by what the manager did and receive the praise of the community for being kind and forgiving debts. And those with the partial debts forgiven have more financial security because it's a little bit off their balance sheet. This choice of the middle way that the manager makes somehow manages to offer benefits to everyone that's involved and also makes it really hard to punish the manager who's at the center of this confusing story. It's probably what keeps him out of jail, this little balancing trick that he has done. And so maybe what is commended here is the manager's realization that the only way out of the mess that he created was not going to be through wealth alone, through his own greed or taking everything that he could at that moment, but was going to be in strengthening his relationship with both the rich man who he was employed by and the community that he would find himself situated in. I think this is important, right? Jesus is told to the Pharisees, right? The role of those who are faithful is to celebrate when God finds the lost. That's what we hear in the story of the lost sheep and the lost coin and ultimately is what we are most challenged with by the story of the prodigal son. And here he is now saying to the disciples, with the Pharisees and scribes still in earshot, don't think that you can build the kingdom of God without those people over there too. Ultimately, the call of discipleship isn't about wealth or power or popularity. It's about building relationships with the whole community. Jesus talks about politics and religions and money because these are the topics, these are the issues that seem to most easily and quickly damage our relationships with our family and our communities. Money is part of our world. We can't avoid it, but it, and it is dis distributed unequally amongst us, but we can decide how we're going to relate to money and how that might affect our relationships with each other. We can either let it tempt us away from love of God and love of neighbor, or we can find ways that money that we have or that's in our community can be shared and moved around to where the whole community benefits from it. When we hold wealth lightly, or politics lightly, or power lightly, and make sure that God is at the center of the decisions that we are making, we suddenly see that those things that can so easily be used as tools to divide us, we can use as tools to strengthen and build our relationships. When we think about these series of stories, the audience that is there, this notion that God saves, seeks and saves the lost, that the church receives and celebrates them, and disciples don't be so quick to discount the Pharisees and the scribes or the people that you think shouldn't be here at this table either, because it is clear from these hard parables that Jesus came to save disciple and Pharisee, 
rich and poor, that there is no one that has the secret inside track into the kingdom of God because Jesus came to save us all. Amen.